It's amazing how many things you're saying that you don't recognize that you're saying. That maybe if you heard somebody else say them, you would uh, notice, but because you're so familiar with those thoughts, with those feelings, you actually just kind of gloss over them. You don't even recognize something's there that doesn't belong to a child of God. Something is, is uh, attached to me that actually doesn't belong to God. And if it doesn't belong to God, well, it doesn't belong to me. I have no business having it. And so we're talking about examining what you have said and seeing if what you have said is actually the same thing that God has said, particularly about yourself. What does God say about you? What does God think about you? How does God treat you? And uh, what do you say about you? What do you think about you? How do you treat yourself? Well, that seemed like it could be like a crazy message in the land of selfies, right? <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, oh, uh, Twitter, what's the other one? What's the new one? TikTok or something like that. Okay. You're taking me way out into the metaverse. And I don't know that verse. But it seems like humans are kind of preoccupied with how other people see them, what other people identify with them. So if you go out into that, is it metaverse? Yeah. If you go out into that metaverse, you might some, find some places in that metaverse that people display things about themselves. Now, many people just display what they want you to see, what they want you to know, or really how they want to be perceived. Uh, other people uh, display uh, things that they really shouldn't display. I'm having the worst day ever. Everything's horrible. Just whining, complaining. But what's really happening is humans are searching for significance, searching to be valued, searching for someone to care about them. Really, it's the heart's cry for what only God could supply, but trying to get that supply through other means, through uh, you know, other people and please other people. I remember I was riding in a car one time. Somebody asked me a question. It's probably 15 years ago, maybe. About that. Um, and I gave an answer, and when I gave the answer, something inside me kind of pricked me. You really think that? And I thought, I said, no, I don't really think that. Why'd you say that? And so I'm driving along, driving along in my automobile. <laughs> and, uh, I'm thinking about this question that came up. I thought, well, if I'm really honest, Lord, the reason I 
did that was because I wanted the approval of the other people in the car. And then another question came, more than my approval? And I, so I, I'm driving along in my automobile. And I got my baby beside me. And, and uh, boy, this was like, come to Jesus time. I was like, yeah, I have to admit, I really cared more about what they thought than what you think. Well, that was a hard, uh, oh, you know, he like feels like you got something in your throat, but there's nothing in your throat, and you got to swallow it. You're like, uh, yeah, maybe so. So I set out to, to change. But you know, until somebody points something out, what does Proverbs say about the wounds of a friend? Or what? Anybody know? Trustworthy. Right? But the kisses of an enemy are, I don't remember what that says. <laughs> but obviously it's the opposite. Huh? Huh? Excessive. That's right. Thank you, Isaac. The kisses of an enemy are excessive. But the wounds of a friend are trustworthy. So sometimes you're identifying, or many times you're identifying with all the wrong things because you want to be accepted, you want to be um, an authority. You want to be respected. For, for men, particularly, that's a... I mean, everybody wants to be respected. Everybody wants to be loved. But men, particularly, are looking for respect. And women, particularly, are looking for love. And so, uh, well, if this will get me respect, then I'll, I'll, I'll present myself this way. But if you check what you've been saying, you'll find out what you've actually been believing. So I'm in the car, riding along in my automobile, right? And... The Lord checked what I was saying. And I like how he checks. You know, you can find a lot about leadership from just leading like the Lord leads. So, you know, like you're actually leading. Everyone is leading in some aspect. Now, there's many parts of the body. So not everyone is called to be a leader, but everybody's leading, influencing. If, you, if leadership boils down to influence, everybody's influencing people. And um, you figure out that uh, if the Lord would help you to receive what he's saying by asking you a question instead of condemning you, well, maybe you could follow that same pattern. And so if you're wanting to lift people and help people, you could just ask them questions. Like Jesus asked lots of questions. You could ask them questions so that they would actually recognize or contemplate or see what's really happening in their life, what's really going on. Because uh, many times you, you get in the way of life and things start happening so fast that before you recognize it, um, you just have a certain pattern that you have developed and you don't even know why you've developed that pattern. But sometimes the pattern that you have developed is based on um, 
the idea that was placed in your mind that you're kind of like less than. You're kind of a mess up. That you're, you're not uh, worthy, you know, we could say, people say that. I used to, I was at a, a served at a church for a while, like 25 years ago, that was, uh, we'd have a Tuesday night prayer for revival, and this guy would come to pray for revival, and he would always pray the same prayer every single week. And Lord, we're just scum. <laughs> just bring a revival to us scum. You know, he thought it was humility. He didn't know he's like criticizing God's creation, God's children. He thought like, you know, that was the thing to do. So he was identifying with that. But we're to identify with who we are in Christ and who God has made us to be. There is a great battle for identification happening in the world. It has been happening for uh, centuries and centuries and centuries and millennia. But there is a battle for your identity. And that battle for your identity starts in your mind and starts in your heart. And you can actually find out what you identify with by recording yourself on your, your telephone, your cell phone. When you talk, or you don't do that, just if you're married, ask your husband or wife, hey, if I ever say something that's contrary to what God says, would you, would you let me know? Well, I've had that conversation with my wife. So what I said to my wife was, I said, now listen. I want you to tell me if I am uh, saying something contrary to the word of God. But I don't want you to just be like, there you go again. <laughs> you know, like, just be real gracious about it and like subtle about it. And like, is, is that what you're really wanting? Oh, amazing husband that you are. <laughs> Have you guys ever read Ephesians chapter 5? I think it's the very last verse in the Amplified Translation. Let the wife see that she honors and esteems and something exceedingly respects. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. And A lot of men like to quote that one, but obviously I don't have that one memorized. She wouldn't let me know. <laughs> no, Melody is wonderful. But you, you know, you want to help people. And so you want to say things in a way that those things can be received. So if I'm saying, uh, Melody, just kind of correct me if I'm wrong. And then uh, she's like, wrong! <laughs> well... What do you think the first... Now, I'm a believer. Which is so much more powerful than being a minister. But I happen to be a male believer. So she's going to... Let me say it in a real scriptural way. She's going to have to give me a lot of things to overcome if she does it that way. She's going to make it a, a lot more challenging on me if she does it that way. 
than if she says very graciously and in, 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 in inviting me and making every way possible that I wouldn't feel condemned. That's one of the things I love about God's own spirit. When he speaks to you, it's never in condemnation. Amen. Never. In fact, if I have to say something to my wife and I feel like she might feel condemned by this or how do I say this, any way I say this is going to be wrong, heard wrong likely, then I just say, I'm not going to talk to her. <laughs> Lord, you talk to her. Because your, your own spirit knows how to say this to her in ways that she can receive it. Now, unless he gives me words to say it, sometimes I'll say, Lord, give me the words to say it. But you know, um, and there's not too many of those situations, but there have been times when it seems like no matter how hard I work at communicating, the male form of communication bypasses the female form of receiving the communication, and we're just not meeting there. And the more I try to fix it, the worse it gets. So the question is, what have you been saying? Because life and death are in the power of your tongue. That just doesn't mean like physical life and physical death or like you're just going to drop dead if you say, I'm going to die or at that moment. Or you're just going to be raised to life if you say, I'm going to live at that moment. But it has to do with like a seed. You understand, words are seeds. Words are seeds. And the word of God, Jesus said in Luke 8, 11, your word is seed. Remember he's talking about the parable of the sower? Let's turn over there, Luke 8, 11. The parable of the sower. So it's real important what words... I don't know if I'm saying it roughly. What words we're saying. We're going to read verse 11 through verse 15. Luke 8, 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So what happens in, in this, this first group of people? The, the word is sown, the word goes forth. And actually, it, what does it say? Those by the wayside are they that hear, so they hear the word. Faith comes by how? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So uh, the sower sows the word, and so they heard the word. But before they have a chance to actually grab hold of what they heard, the enemy comes and snatches it away. I'm not going to let you have that. Why? His life is in that seed. God's life is in the seed of the word. But if, if God's life gets embedded into the real you, into the real any, any human, into your heart, your spirit, what the Bible calls your spirit, also calls your heart, 
if that word is actually planted in your heart and gets to start to grow, then the fruit that is produced from that seed will actually start to show up in your life. So if I can, if I see someone sowing seeds, you know, in my garden, and sometimes I, I see people do that in my garden. They're taking weeds out. And if they like are dried and they start to shake those on the way out. Here, let me get this. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. It may not look like anything's happening to you right now. But what I see right now is a bunch of seeds for bad things, for weeds that are being spread all over this garden. And that's not the kind of harvest I want. So the enemy takes the opposite and sees these good seeds that are being planted that are going to be producing a good kind of harvest. And he's like, oh no. I know they've never heard this before. And, and, and they heard that now, but I'm going to snatch that before it gets into their heart. Right? Okay. That's number one. Number two... They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. These have no root which for a while believe in the time of temptation or testing or trials fall away. So that's a seed that fell on the rock. You ever seen that? You can actually have seed fall on a rock and there's not even soil there and all of a sudden the dust and everything and that thing will start to grow on the rock. And that thing will start to look pretty healthy until it gets hot and sunny and that pressure from the sun comes. And what happens? That thing has no root so it just starts to wither away. So that's they heard it and they're like, oh, hallelujah, that's good. Well, now I'm not, I'm not criticizing that because, boy, as soon as you recognize what God has done and what his word says, you can't help but praise him. Amen. But just because you're saying the word hallelujah or praise the Lord doesn't mean that it's actually established in your heart. Some people say it just for filler. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that was a real amen, but it fit like it was a... Fake amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. <laughs> Verse 14. And they which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, they go forth and are choked with cares and riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So see, these others grow, but there's actually weeds among them. What are these weeds? Well, I mean, we have a lot of weeds in the United States. <laughs> right? I mean, anything can take your priority. Your priorities, your time, your thoughts, your energies. The best you have to offer, and you offer God, you give God what's left over. No, it's a tithe is supposed to be the first part. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your time. 
Figure out the best part of your day when you are most alert, when you are most attentive to God. Give that to God. For me, it's first thing in the morning. For my wife, it's last thing at night. I'll give that to somebody else. I'll give it to the Lord. Verse 15. But on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Anybody know what the Greek word for patience is right there? It's one of my favorite words. Yeah, hoopamon. That probably doesn't mean anything to you, does it? Hoopamon. I don't like it that they keep translating that patience. So I think patience is like, I'll just wait and be happy while I'm waiting. You know, have a good attitude while I'm waiting. But that is not what patience, a better word for patience there, or for hoopamon, would be endurance. And endurance. Not even like a lot of people think of endurance. Like, is this preacher going to keep preaching? I just have to endure it for another 20 minutes. <laughs> That's not the kind of endurance it's talking about either. It's also not talking about, you know what? My eyes were bigger than my bank account, so I went and I bought this thing, and now I have a five-year loan on it, and I've been enduring these payments Month after month after month after month. I just have to endure for another year. That's not what it's talking about. Hoopamon is actually, you think of a, a marathon runner. That is in an endurance type of race. That means you're training to not give up, to not quit, to not look back, to press on forward when everything in your body wants to stop and quit, that you're actually training to endure. And enduring, you don't train for a race. Like Paul said, you're not training to lose the race. You're training to win the race. And so when you endure the hoopamone endurance, you're actually training as a victor. Well, the reason we can do that is because Jesus won the victory for every single believer. So every believer is a victor. You might not look like it. You might not feel like it. But actually, you are a victor. And so, Jesus is talking about this parable when the seed is sown, and the seed is the word of God. So, what does the word of God say about your situation? Your situation, what specific scriptures talk about your situation? If you, you want to say like healing as an example, you find scriptures about healing. You know, no sickness or disease belongs on any child of God. But you know, there's also a scripture that says you have been redeemed from long-lasting sickness and disease. Not just disease, but also long-lasting sickness and disease. Then there's the scriptures that talk about, uh, you know, we talk about the curse of the law and all the sickness that came with the curse of the law, that you've been redeemed from the curse. And it says, when it talks about the curse in Deuteronomy 28, it, you know, 
it talks about and every sickness and every disease that's not even listed. So every sickness and every disease falls in the category of curse. Well, we've been redeemed from that. But if you don't understand that God doesn't desire or want you to have sickness and disease, if you don't understand that God is a good God and the things he does are good, all he does is good. He doesn't do anything that's not good. If you don't understand um, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Well, then you might want to be a, be a friend with sickness and disease if you don't understand that. You know, if you think that that gives God glory for you to be sick, well, then you should pray for more sickness so you can give him more glory. If it brings him glory, but it doesn't, So you take the seed of the word of God and you let that be planted in your heart first by hearing it second by receiving it third by believing it and fourth is kind of combined with third which is you're acting it because you believe you act. So you let that seed enter your heart and find root in your heart so that that is what's produced. That's the fruit that's produced in your life. Because you see, when Jesus is talking about all these seeds that were sown, some on a pathway, the wayside, some on the rock, and some among weeds, what happened? Well, the first one, It was snatched away before it could even gain root. Second one, it started to get root, but it had no place to go because it was on the rock. It wasn't in that good soil. The heart wasn't prepared. And the third one, the cares of this life kind of came and choked it out. But you see, the fourth one was actually produced through someone who said, Jesus gave me victory. And because he gave me victory, I don't care what storm comes, I've already beat the storm. I don't care what attack comes, I've already won the attack because Jesus set me free, Jesus did it. And I believe it. So now I endure this or I strongly don't turn away from the storm, I turn and say, bring it on. Because I'm not looking at my ability in my natural human strength or what knowledge, natural knowledge I have, uh, I have a spiritual knowing because the word has been planted in my heart. And I maybe can't explain every intricate detail and aspect of this, but I know him in whom I have believed. And I know he is able to keep what I have committed to him. So if it's sickness, I have committed my body to him. And I know he is able to keep that body. He's able to keep that body healthy. He's able to keep that body strong. He's able to keep that body with energy and strength. Don't run out of strength because your calendar looks like you're getting old. (laughs) 
I mean, I read after a lot of older people. Well, they're so old that their body's in the grave. You know, there's a lady by the name of C. Newsom. She got a little book called The Life of Faith. Do you know she said, like, she used to have, like, no energy, couldn't hardly do anything, and she, start, she realized what the Word said. She received it, and she said, now I work 365 days a year from morning to night and have strength upon strength. A.B. Simpson, you heard me tell his testimony. A.B. Simpson said the same thing. You know, he had a heart condition, was getting worse and worse. He would preach on Sunday. It took him till Wednesday to recover enough to start the message for the next week. He couldn't hardly walk. He couldn't hardly breathe. And then all of a sudden, he went to the Word, and he got the seed of the Word in his heart, and he found out what the Word says about healing. And he said, you know what? There's a great connection between what the Word says about healing and what happened on the cross, that actually on the cross, it wasn't just my spirit that was renewed and made brand new it was actually also my body that redemption not only paid for spiritual death and uh, brought life to where there was spiritual death but redemption brought life where there was physical death and sickness and disease and poverty and he said I, and so much so do I see this that I take this day Jesus as my healer just if I've already taken him as my Lord Well, he said, I don't know if my body felt any different at that moment. I really don't care. I know I didn't care. Actually, he said, I know I didn't care because I knew he had it in his hand. There is such a relief when you know God has it and God's taking care of it. God's got it. You can just act like Hebrews 11, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 4 is true. We enter into rest. You should be worried. Don't you understand what the doctor said? Don't you understand, you know, what the banker said? You should be really worried. You should be really concerned. Why are you not worried? You know, people try to encourage you to <laughs> fret, worry, right? No, because I don't have it. God has it. As long as he has it, everything's A-OK. So A.B. Simpson said, now I work like 360-some days a year from, I think he said, 4 a.m. to like 12 p.m. I mean 12 p.m. Midnight. And I have plenty of strength. People ask me, do I need more help? F.F. Bosworth, same thing. They say, you need a break? You've been traveling? He said, no, the word of God revives me. The word of God restores me. Uh, who, who's the other lady? Lillian Yeomans, medical doctor, addicted to drugs. But God set her free. And she said, I stopped practicing natural medicine so I could practice with the great physician. So people would be healed left and right. Where she didn't have strength, now she had strength upon strength upon strength upon strength. So sometimes, I mean, people through life generally, I mean, I don't know one person that has lived a full life and not been faced with sickness and disease. But sometimes you don't have anything that you're uh, faced with right now but you know it's not biblical to be out of energy and out of strength all the time. You don't have to be that way. Jesus paid for that. That you could have strength upon strength. And I believe you should take a vacation. Uh, you should take care of your body. You should take care of your family. You know, they might have been a little extreme and like I worked 365 days and didn't take a break, you know. I don't know that there's scripture to back that up. I mean, there is the day of rest. 
But you can have a strong body all the days of your life. Moses, his eyes didn't grow dim, neither was his strength abated. You're not going to get it just by thinking it. You have to believe and speak. Believe and speak. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, and we'll finish there. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 10. I was thinking verse 8. Romans chapter 10. But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all who call upon him. For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall I call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not all heard? Yes, verily their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the end of the world. Verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of God needs to not only be in your heart, but it needs to be in your mouth. Remember, I think two weeks ago, we talked about two types of confession. But you have a confession of what you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth. And you have the confession of what you want to believe in your heart. And you say with your mouth. In other words, if you're really honest, you know, like, I don't believe that, but I want to believe that, but I don't believe that. Well, you can actually send yourself to school for what the Word of God says. And one of the ways to do that is you actually speak out of your mouth what the Word says. And if you say it enough, all of a sudden, it'll drop into your heart and you'll believe it. You'll say, oh, I see that. Because for your confession to work, you have to believe it. So whatever you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth about the Lord Jesus, if you say that you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess him as your Lord, well, the Bible says you will be saved, but that's only from your heart. It's not from your head. So anybody could say, you know, Jesus is Lord. I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. And if I just say that from my head but not from my heart... That person is not saved. A better way to say it is, that person has not received salvation. You must believe in your heart and say with your mouth. So that principle works through the entire Christian life. So what you believe, you're actually saying. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Speaks. 
So what do you do if you find yourself saying something that you don't believe? Well, what I do is I say, I don't believe that. <laughs> it's not real complicated. <laughs> but we make it complicated. So you find yourself saying, well, that's never going to happen. They'll never come to the Lord. They're going to be like that for the rest of their life. Well, if you recognize that you're saying that, you just say, I don't know why I just said that. I don't believe that. And the best way I know to change that belief is I look at the power of the blood of Jesus. So you just say, I'm so familiar with them. I see what they're doing. I see how they're acting. And based on that, I would deduce that they are going to stay this way. And you say, well, I don't believe that, though. Why don't I believe that? Because I believe that the power of the blood of Jesus is greater than their situation. I believe God is favoring them. I believe God is giving them opportunities. I believe God is reminding them. I believe in the power of prayer. So I pray for them. I lift, their I lift my voice with their name up to the Lord. And when I do that, it gets God's attention. And God shows up strong on their behalf. And so... Uh, even though I may not see it, God is working on their heart. Not to force them. He's working on their heart to get them to see. That they see clearly. That they know. That they awake and come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. The enemy is uh, evil and he wants to trap and hurt and stop. You know, like, have you ever, nobody else here, but I have before said things that I regretted once they came out of my mouth. Some people slap people and regret it later, but that'd be a regretful thing too. But I have said things. I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't say that. Maybe you said things for years. Or maybe you said something years ago and you're kind of like, uh, I shouldn't have said that. Well, obviously it wasn't scripture that you were saying if you shouldn't have said it. Right. Whose words are, are, are more powerful, your words or God's words? God's words. So what if you put God's words in your mouth? It's, what if you replace what you were saying or what you did say with what God is saying and God has said. So you, you spoke a curse, but now you can actually speak a blessing. I believe God's words are stronger. I believe God's words are more powerful. Confession, if you boil it down, is just to say the same thing as God. You say what he says about the situation, no matter how it looks, no matter how it feels. And that is where... Your hoopamone comes in. So you, you got the seed of the word of God. Well, you said I'm healed. I was healed. You said I was healed. But the doctors say I'm not. My husband or wife says I'm not. My kids say I'm not. The mirror says I'm not. 
My head says I'm not. What is all that? Those are the stormy headwinds that the believer actually doesn't turn away from. The believer says, all right, I can have 10,000 voices that say this. If I just have the one voice that says I'm healed, I believe the one voice. And the one voice is strong enough that I have now the strength to turn against the 10,000 voices and I'll walk forward, thank you very much. Because this is what God has said. Why do you say that? Because God said it. Why do you believe that? Because God said it. You have what you say. Stand with me if you would. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. That is, that's actually the great confession, the greatest confession you could ever make of the Lordship of Jesus that you're not going to live for yourself anymore, but you actually confess, Jesus calls the shots in my life. You, all you got to do to be born again is you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and decide, you know what? I want him directing my life. I'm not going to direct my life anymore. I'm going to let him direct my life. To be born again, you must believe that God raised Jesus from the dead in your heart and confess with your mouth his lordship over your life. The Bible says you will be saved. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind to reason. How in the world could I just say something like that and it would just change? Because there's power in believing. When you believe what God has said, it brings God on the scene. And it brings the power of God on the scene. And it changes. It changes your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few seconds here when I do. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, it's so simple. It costs you everything you have, but it's very simple. You must give up your life to receive his life. By praying this prayer, what you're saying is, I don't want to call the shots in my life anymore. I want Jesus to call the shots. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I've decided to follow him. From now on out, he is my Lord. What you're saying is, I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. What you're saying is, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for him. Let's pray. Oh God, I believe Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, my Savior. Thank you, Father God, for saving me, for forgiving me. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, Jesus. amen.